Section 12 of the Exploits and Triumphs in Europe of Paul Morphy, the Chess Champion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Coos. The Exploits and Triumphs in Europe of Paul Morphy, the Chess Champion by Frederick Milnes Edge. Chapter 7 Morphy in France. On the last day of August I wakened Paul Morphy at an early hour. The Folkestone train left London Bridge at 9.55 a.m., and there was some twenty minutes of hard driving to get to the railway station, but Morphy came down to breakfast with Admiral St. Froy, took his own time at the meal, laughed at my fears of being too late, and got into a cab at least ten minutes later than we ought to have done. We arrived at the depot on time to see the door shut in our faces. Now this was not agreeable, inasmuch as there was no other train for Paris by that line during the day. I therefore proposed to Morphy that we should stroll about until half-past one o'clock in the afternoon, and then take the route through Dover and Calais, to which he assented. The trip across the Straits of Dover is neither long nor pleasant, and Mr. Morphy was dreadfully seasick but his mind was preoccupied with his forthcoming campaigns in La Belle France, and he observed to me, Well, now I'm going to meet Harwitz. I shall beat him in the same proportion as I beat Lowenthal, although he is a much better player than Lowenthal, but I shall play better with Harwitz. Some of my readers may object to such an observation, but those who know Morphy know that he speaks from thorough acquaintance with his opponent's capabilities with his and conviction of his own superiority, not from any improper feeling of pride. People suffering from seasickness generally recognize the truth of the maxim. It is better to give than to receive. You have much difficulty in getting them to take anything, even fat pork. But if you watch your opportunity, when the will is stronger than the deed, and induce them to worry down a modicum of champagne well up, you infuse new life into them. So I requested the steward to make us acquainted with his Sillery Mousseau, and Morphy and I toast each other on the deck of the steamboat. On my asking him immediately afterwards how he felt, he allowed that he was better, adding, however, that he believed it was nothing but imagination which worked the cure. It was but a short run to the pier of Calais, and the seasickness was forgotten when our feet again touched terra firma. On landing, we got into a slight difficulty. Morphy speaks the French language with the purest Gaelic accent, and the officials would not at first consent to his traveling with the United States passport. This our hero soon cleared up by reading the Jeans d'Armée uh, Précis of the settlement, manners, customs, etc., of the state of Louisiana and his own antecedents. Whereupon the official restored him his paper réglé, but confiscated a quantity of underlinen. They told us that was customary. Eight o'clock in the evening, and if we took the train forthwith, we should arrive in Paris next morning at six. Morphy proposed that we should sleep there that night, and take an early train the following day, which of course would enable us to see the town of Calais. So we repaired to the Hotel des Seines, attended to our inner and outer man, and then prepared for a stroll. 
as a result of our observations we agreed calais must have been a magnificent town before the discovery of the principles of architecture after diligent inquiry we could not learn that any one knew when the last house was built and morphy gave it as his opinion that were william the conqueror to revisit calais he would find it unchanged except in being dirtier when i reminded him that the town possessed peculiar interest for me as an englishman he coolly set me down by observing that he had a very poor opinion of my ancestors for wishing to keep such a place the next morning we got into the train at a quarter to eight o'clock and commenced the long dreary ride of ten mortal hours to paris but there was no way out of the difficulty and what with yawning and dozing between stations and grumbling at the tedious regulation speed of the french railways we ultimately arrived at the capital now every traveller on getting to this point thinks he is bound to paint the various emotions arising in his breast on entering the city of the seine my own sensations were of strong anglican bias i wanted to dine morphy is never betrayed into rhapsody and what he felt he didn't speak having again submitted our baggage to the inspection of numerous officials we thanked our stars for seeing the last of the chemin de fer du nord drove off to maurice's where they gave us rooms about the fifteenth story started for the restaurant des trois frères provenceaux and got a capital dinner and then addressed ourselves to the duties of flaneurs i knew the french capital like a garment de paris and without saying a word to morphy of my intention i led him quietly down the palais royal past the theatre francais and right into the cafe de la regence end of section twelve recording by john coos www.thenerdcoach.com